The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, as Scott would say this morning, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's a good greeting to begin a sermon any day. I mean, after all, Paul used it in almost every letter he wrote. But I think it's especially appropriate on Christmas morning, grace and peace. Over here on our banner, you see the word peace. And if you have really good eyesight, you can also read the smaller type so that it says peace on earth. How can we fail to recognize the song of the angels at the birth of Jesus? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So peace is a particularly appropriate greeting this morning, and so is grace. After all, what is grace anyway? A gift, freely given. And while there's a lot more to Christmas than just Christmas presents, gifts really are a pretty important part of celebrations at this time of the year. Ask any of the kids here this morning. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that later. But first, let me say how much I appreciate you being here this morning and how much I appreciate the invitation to speak this morning. Scott and Laura, of course, are in Oklahoma visiting their family, so we're sort of on our own this morning. Susie and I appreciate the way that you've welcomed us into this church, and we feel very blessed to be a part of you. And even though I think that it's wonderful for us all to be together here in church on a Sunday morning, Christmas morning, I'll have to admit that when I was a kid and when I was a parent of young children, I always found it a little difficult when Christmas fell on a Sunday. Now, some people do their Christmas tree on Christmas Eve, opening up the presents and so on, but at my house, opening Christmas presents always came on Christmas morning. After all, we knew that you had to go to sleep on Christmas Eve before Santa could come down the chimney. And so the presents couldn't be there until Christmas morning. I guess I was six or seven or so when I found out that some people actually opened up Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Now, that made absolutely no sense to me. I just couldn't understand how they could open the presents before Santa came. But I guess maybe that was when I began figuring out that it's okay if if other families do things differently from the way that my family did. Even though I couldn't see much sense in it and I still kind of puzzle about how that works, but we won't go there. Uh, So anyway, when Christmas came on a Sunday morning, like it does today, it meant we had to get up extra early. Not that that was a problem for us kids. We always were up extra early on Christmas morning, but my parents wouldn't let us go into the room where the Christmas tree was until after breakfast. So my mother would make us eat breakfast and then we could go into the living room and see what Santa had left under the tree. 
Now, if it was a Sunday, we opened up all the presents and tried to play with as many of them as we possibly could before it was time to get our church clothes on and head out the door for Sunday school. Calming down from the excitement of Christmas presents enough to pay attention to the Sunday school lesson was asking a lot of a little kid. But you know what? When we got back home, sometimes we discovered that the gifts that we'd been so excited about that morning just didn't seem to be quite as special as they had when we first opened them. Somehow, the attraction had faded. Maybe we had heard from other kids about presents that they had received. Maybe ours, by comparison, just didn't seem so great anymore. Or maybe it took a few days before discovering that the spring mechanism had been stretched too far, that the helium had gone out of the balloons, or that your brother had broken the toy helicopter that you'd gotten. Some things just don't last. So often we're excited about Christmas gifts, but not too long after the gift is opened, it may not seem quite so attractive anymore. It doesn't seem quite so interesting. It loses its appeal. Maybe we say something like, is that all there is? Maybe this is when we're first learning our first lessons about how temporary things in this life really are. We begin to learn the difference between what the writer of 1 John called the things that appeal to the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life. And on the other hand, the things that truly last and that bring true satisfaction. Oh sure, Christmas presents are wonderful and a new bike or a BB gun is lots of fun. But as we grow older, we realize that there's something even better behind these gifts. It's the fact that someone loves us enough to give us a gift. The love is much more deeply meaningful than whatever the present might be. The problem, of course, is that bikes and BB guns are pretty easy to recognize, while love is a lot harder to see. Paul makes a very clear distinction in 2 Corinthians between these two types of things. In the Common English Bible translation, here's how 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 reads. We don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can't be seen. The things that can be seen don't last, but the things that can't be seen are eternal. That's the key, isn't it? The ability to recognize the difference between the things that don't last and the things that are eternal. Do you remember those ads for jewelry that we used to see? Remember the slogan, diamonds are forever. So it's a great slogan, particularly if you paid the price for those diamonds. 
But unfortunately, it's not really the truth. Even diamonds aren't forever. We don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can't be seen. The things that can be seen don't last, but the things that can't be seen are eternal. If you think back, back about, if you think back to Christmas a year ago, how many of those gifts that you got really lasted? Do you even remember what they were? And if you do, are they still as new and shiny as they were on Christmas morning? Actually, some of mine probably are still just as new and shiny as they were last Christmas. That would be because I packed them away and forgot about them. Must not have been all that needed, huh? Now, I'm certainly not trying to say Christmas presents are useless or unwanted or bad. Instead, I'm saying that no matter how good they are, how good they seem to be, they aren't going to last very long, not compared to eternity. Some will tell you that the custom of giving gifts at Christmas came from the example of the wise men, those mysterious travelers from the east who came to Israel at the birth of Jesus, Gentiles who show up in a story about Jews, people searching for something that they didn't yet know. As you heard in this morning's scripture reading, there were three gifts mentioned. Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Some see special meaning in these gifts. Gold is the tribute that was given to a king. Frankincense is the incense that priests burned to offer a sweet aroma to God. Myrrh was a perfume that was used for, among other things, the preparation of a body for burial. So all of these gifts have some special significance in relation to Jesus. But even so, the gifts themselves were not eternal. Jesus suggests that nothing in this world lasts forever. You remember what he taught in the Sermon on the Mountain? Matthew 6, 19 begins, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some things last, most things don't. What's important is to recognize the difference. So what are the things that last? All the way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah talked about how the things of this world fade and die. Isaiah 40 verse eight says, the grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of our God stands forever. Our lives are like the grass, Isaiah says. We prosper for a while 
And we may even produce beauty in our lives, like flowers. But all too soon, the grass will wither and the flowers will fade and the treasures that we thought were so important in life will be gone and forgotten. What will be left then? Well, there's one thing that lasts, Isaiah says, something that lasts forever, the Word of God. Peter echoes Isaiah when he writes in 1 Peter about things that are perishable and things that are imperishable. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Did you get that? The living and abiding word of God? Paul makes this distinction too, between things that last and things that don't. We're talking this morning about gifts, and Paul even makes this distinction with specific application to gifts. In chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks about remarkable gifts, prophetic powers, the language of angels, the ability to move mountains. You know this chapter well. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And then comes the climax, verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The things that abide are not the gifts under the Christmas tree. The things that abide are not even the miraculous gifts 
that Paul himself experienced. Instead, Paul says, there are three things that abide, faith, hope, and love. And that the greatest of these is love. We know this, of course. We know that the greatest gift of all was not wrapped in Christmas paper and bows. It wasn't a gift from a wise man to the parents of a newborn baby. Not a gift from one person to another. Probably the best known verse in the entire Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gifts that we can see will fade away. But the gift of God, the gift of his son, the gift of God's love will never perish. And neither will those who receive the gift. Because of this gift, we will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the peace and joy of this Christmas season. But far more importantly, we thank you for the peace that we have because of the assurance of your love. We thank you for the gift of Jesus, the gift that truly lasts, the gift that brings peace and joy, both now and forever. Grant us grateful hearts and confident spirits Increase our trust in you and help us to set our minds and our actions ever more clearly on your word and your will as we share your love with our neighbors around us. Through Jesus, amen.